0: Hey everyone, it's Erica Henry, Network Pastor of Holy Districts, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. One, two... I'm really happy to be back with you talking about our third Psalm-ish song today, Praying by Kesha. We're going to be taking on a really difficult, muddy topic today. We're going to be talking about the idea of forgiveness, and I think this song is going to really help us and, um, and how we think about it and how we think about ourselves. And we think about the people in our lives to whom we may feel that we owe forgiveness or people have told us we need to forgive, or, you know, maybe you've just read the Sermon on the Mount and come away thinking like, wow, I I really got to do this thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to unpacking some of our assumptions, talking about words and their meaning, talking about, I mean, really what we think, Think about whenever we say that we should forgive others or forgive ourselves. There's a lot to it. And I want to let you know I'm in process on all of this. So I'm going to take this like I'm having a conversation with you in my house. I've got my cup of coffee. Apologies in advance if you hear me taking a gulp (laughs) every now and then. But uh, yeah, I want you to know that my goal for this podcast today is not to get you to think something in particular about the idea of forgiveness, but really maybe to just break open this really tense and difficult concept and see if we can try on some new ways of approaching this idea. So if that sounds okay to you, why don't you grab a cup of coffee or whatever kind of beverage you like might be helpful to have a journal and a pen or pencil or something you can take notes on. We might jot some notes down here and here and there and we'll listen to our song first and then we'll just we'll just jump into as conversational of a podcast as i can manage for being by myself in my office talking into a microphone all right this is praying by kesha
1: almost had me fooled. Told me that I was nothing without you. Oh, that after everything you've done, I can thank you for how strong I have become. Cause you brought the flames and you put me through hell I had to learn how to fight for myself And we both know all the truth I could tell I'll just say this as I wish you farewell I hope you're somewhere praying, praying I hope your soul is changing, changing Find your peace Falling on your knees Praying I'm proud of who I am No more monsters, I can breathe again And you said that I was done Well you were wrong and now the best
2: is yet to come cuz I can
0: I've probably listened to this song hundreds of times. At this point, the song is probably like five or six years old now. And I I can safely say that each time I listen to it, it moves me. Um, it moves me deeply. And I, I feel really privileged to be able to talk with you about it today. Mostly because I find in this song that a pop star who up into this point sang songs and and creative music that I really, really didn't care for, found a way to communicate the idea of forgiveness, I believe, more accurately than most sermons that I've ever heard preached about it. You may not be familiar, but there is a really deep and painful story that led to the creation of this song. I'm reading from an article from Business Insider that came out like a day after the single released in 2017. And it says, praying, as described by Kesha in a personal essay she wrote for Lenny Letter, is all about triumphing through adversity and finding peace and forgiving those who have hurt you. Kesha credits Ryan Lewis and Ben Abraham for helping her channel all this raw emotion into a powerful song. For the last few years, Kesha has been trying to free herself from her contract with Dr. Luke, her former producer and mentor, whom she alleges drugged and sexually and verbally assaulted her, during her time recording with him at Sony. In another interview about this song, Kesha said, "'Praying, my first single in almost four years, comes out today. I have channeled my feelings of severe hopelessness and depression, I've overcome obstacles, and I have found strength in myself even when it felt out of reach.'" Kesha wrote, "'I found what I had thought was an unobtainable place of peace.'" This song is about coming to feel empathy for someone else, even if they hurt you or scare you. It's a song about learning to be proud of the person you are, even during low moments when you feel alone. She continued, it's also about hoping everyone, even someone who hurt you, can heal. Now, I have to tell you that I am am in awe of people like Kesha who have experienced these kinds of atrocities who who are survivors of abuse and have found their way into this kind of a place this very vulnerable honest powerful place and i i wanted to start first thing after listening to the song by just acknowledging the depth of pain and the the deep depression sadness difficulty burden that people who have been abused carry and, and to also acknowledge that in my experience, the the church has been guilty, very, very, very guilty of re-traumatizing people who have been traumatized by abuse and using the idea of forgiveness as a weapon to do that. Um, the church that I am a part of and have been a part of, talking about the Big C Church, has been guilty of of using the idea of forgiveness as a way to not hold abusive people accountable. Um, The church has used the idea of forgiveness to forsake justice, to keep vulnerable people in abusive situations and to uh, place fault for abuse on victims and i just i just need to say outright at the beginning of this podcast that that is sinful that is evil that is unacceptable and it angers it angers god god will not allow that to stand and i think we're seeing that in a lot of ways in the crumbling of this institution of the church in our in our nation right now not the crumbling of the church but a certain expression of the church that has been very powerful for for some time now. And I just want you to know if you're listening right now and you're someone who has been through this experience or anything like it, I'm, I'm doing my best not to make those same mistakes. Um, this, like I said, is something that I'm in process about. I would love to be in conversation with you all about, and I really hope that this podcast might be a healing bomb. To you. And to that end, I would love to just kind of start out with a bit of a deep dive into the meaning of what we often translate as the word forgive or forgiveness, especially in the New Testament. And I think just by problematizing this word and maybe some of our assumptions around it a little bit, I would like to kind of open up. Um, some of the ways that we can think about the idea of forgiving and forgiveness a little differently, that might be a little bit more empowering, a little less shame-filled, and a little bit more life-giving. So whenever you see the word forgive in the New Testament, there are really kind of three different senses of the word or three different Greek words that might be represented whenever you read that. So the one that is used the most often when you see the word forgive, uh, like all over the book of Matthew, especially thinking like Matthew chapter six, you'll see it like 80 billion times, not that much, but a lot. Um, the the basic meaning can mean it, it means to leave or to send away. This is the the meaning that is the most Prevalent in the New Testament. Now there are a couple other places where words that are translated as forgive or forgiveness show up, and those are m- much fewer. Um, one is the idea of release or uh, pardon. So if you know someone's pardoned from their jail sentence or something like that, and then there's an there's another word that means to show favor or to give freely. But the majority meaning that we see is this idea of leaving, um, sending away. Uh, even sometimes it can have a sense of neglecting or leaving something alone. This idea of offering, yielding something up or permitting or allowing something to be. This is the most common one. So when we read in Matthew 6 and Jesus saying, In the Lord's Prayer, forgive our debts so that we also, as we also have forgiven our debtors, it's it's that word. It's not the word that is talking about showing favor or giving freely or pardoning. It's this word that is about yielding up, leaving something, sending something away, allowing something. Now, I just want to let that simmer a little bit. It's the same word that's being used in the next verse, where Jesus says, if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive you. Or when Jesus forgives the sin of the lame man, and he says, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said, I'm sorry, to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed and go home. So this idea of forgiving, um, if you had in your mind pardon for some kind of a grievance or this idea of showing favor to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it, that isn't the use of forgiveness that we're seeing in these passages. Or what about this that scary passage where... Jesus says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. This is that same, that same word that means to leave, to neglect, to permit, to let something alone, to, to yield something up or to send something away. Now, this nothing this might not be coming into any sort of clarity for you right now but that's okay. I think in a way I just kind of want to problematize this idea of forgiveness as just this free pardon for anyone, no matter what they've done. I, I really don't think that's what the original meaning of, and the meaning of this word in its original language was trying to communicate to us. It's, it's really, it's really strange actually that this word that for me and my experience has come to mean um, kind of letting people off the hook for their bad behavior and not holding people accountable. Um, oftentimes that can be how this word of this word forgiveness can be used is sometimes in the Bible used to mean uh, to send away to divorce, to dismiss or forgive, which are kind of two sides two sides of the same coin in this dictionary that I'm looking at right now to allow or to permit. It's weird, right? I think there's a reason why the <laughs> the English translation doesn't use those words to leave or to send away because it doesn't quite connect. But I think if we can stay on the road with this for a little bit and um, listen and think about the lyrics to Kesha's Song Praying – there might be some things that come to light for us that could be pretty helpful. As I've been meditating on it this past couple weeks, preparing for this podcast, there, there are three ideas that have come to my mind that have started to feel really helpful to me when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, forgive. The first idea is boundaries. Boundaries. The second idea is making space. And the third idea is differentiation. So, when I have been meditating, looking at this original definition, looking at like all these, you know, 20 or 30 Bible verses that use this word, and thinking about what does it mean? If forgiveness doesn't always mean pardon. If if forgiveness means something different than that, and the base definition or the base gloss of this word is to leave or to send something away or to release something, to allow or permit something, what what could that mean? And I started thinking about a journey that I've been on in my own personal life, my own spiritual life, where I've just really been. I've been working with a coach on differentiation and um, my own personal maturity. And the idea of boundaries and differentiation and making space are all connected for me in this way. So when I think about boundaries, this is, this is becoming more and more common. I think that's a really good thing. I see a lot of posts on about it in social media. This idea of boundaries is having this clear understanding of where I end and where I begin, what I'm responsible for and who I'm responsible to, what's mine and what's not mine, and what am I willing to do. And so whenever we have boundaries um, in our own personal lives, that means that we have a clear sense of what we are willing to do from a place of rest and love and, and contentment and what things are trying uh, are imposing on our boundaries which make us feel resentful which make us feel obligation and that lead to stress and tension and relational discord. And so when I think about myself and I think about boundaries I'm always looking at the ideas, opportunities, requests for help that are being presented to me and asking myself, is this something that I can say yes to from a place of deep love and joy? Now, here's the thing. We cannot set boundaries for other people. We can only set boundaries to decide what we will and will not do and what we are and are not responsible for. And that is just like a a basic um, foundational idea that I think these other two, I, these other two ideas are going to build off of the, the second idea i mentioned a little bit was differentiation. And so this is the, this is the concept that I am myself and I am not someone else. Now that sounds pretty silly. Clearly I am myself and I'm not you. (laughs) Um, but if we are all being honest, there are relationships in our lives where we may be a little messy in this area where the behaviors or the choices that another person makes feel so personal to us that in our emotions and our mental space, there's confusion, that our ability to be content and whole and feel at peace is in some way tied up in someone else's choices and behavior and treatment of us, that we have given up some of our ability to have self-control. This can happen with your uh, parent-child relationships. This can happen in romantic relationships or friendships. This can happen in work relationships. It is connected to boundaries because it, whenever we are not boundaryed, when we don't know why we do the things that we do, when we haven't really taken a, a, a deep look inside to determine what we are willing to do from a place of joy and love, and we're we're kind of doing things out of scarcity and need and um, protecting our image or trying to to people please. This differentiation is very difficult to find because our sense of self is being derived from a relationship with another human being rather than from our our sense of self and our relationship to God. And this, but whenever we find our way moving toward differentiation, we begin to find a place that's a little bit more spacious where the things that other people say and do, we have the space in our emotions and in our mind to realize that 99% of the time, the things that other people are doing and saying have very little to do with us. In the same way that the things that I do and say, and sometimes when I mess up or I hurt someone's feelings or I do something um, that I look back and regret, many times I was not doing that out of just pure intention to to hurt that person. Many times I'm acting out of a place of, oh gosh, um, ignorance, immaturity, uh, exhaustion, uh, emotional dysregulation, things that are going on in my life are going to spill out onto other people. And I I know that's the case for me. And so then I can start to say, oh, okay, well, this person um, maybe didn't set out to do this to me, but here I am. <laughs> and uh, they seem to have splashed some of their Dysregulation onto me. I I had the, <laughs> I had the benefit of being in their in their crosshairs today. I'm. This is this is a f- framework that I'm working on having in my own life, so that I can become a more mature person, so that I can be more informed by my emotions less driven by them so that I can be a gracious person and most importantly that I can have a really non-anxious experience of my life and my family and my relationships and that I can see people with the most gracious attitude as possible now why am i telling you this not not to like tell you you got to do what i'm doing or try to toot my own horn or whatever but it's because this is This is all in my mind right now as I'm listening to the song and I'm reading these passages about forgiveness and I'm looking up the definitions in the original language. And this is what brought the idea of making space. This combination of my own personal experiences and what the Bible is saying and what praying is helping me to feel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through the power of music and poetry, it's like, wow, what if what if forgive, forgiving is less of an act that we do after we have been harmed by someone? And it's more of a stance that we take in our relationships to one another. What if it's an attitude where we recognize that, yes, I am someone who is bumbling around, making mistakes, unintentionally harming people. I am someone who has been wounded and is wounding others. I am someone who has the best of intentions and doesn't get it right. And I appreciate when people allow me to be that way so that I can grow. So I am going to be someone that permits people to be where they're at. I'm going to be someone who in my relationships to others makes space for their imperfection. I'm going to be a person who makes space for people to find their way to a place of greater maturity. Now, I need to flag something right here. This is framework for forgiveness only works if we have a really healthy framework for the idea of righteousness or maybe a better word, justice. I think this is one of the huge pain points for the the concept of forgiveness, that we have probably an experience of power dynamics that is highly unaccountable and, and lacking in justice. And so when we're told that we need to forgive people, what that ends up meaning is an injustice has occurred. There are no pathways for justice to happen that are easily found. And also you just kind of need to let it go. And that is not what I'm advocating for at all. Something that we really need to know and understand deeply about the context that Jesus was teaching from is that Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. And there is a very complex system of justice that was used to and was and was given by God as a gift to mediate justice between people and people and God and people. And so there was there were sacrifices to be made, there were restitutions to be offered, and you can see time and time again in Jesus's parables he, he often will um, set up a, a vulnerable person like a widow and a corrupt person like a judge and use them as examples because this was a regular part of their life together that when someone sinned against you, the expectation was there was some form of restitution that that person paid. There, was, there were pathways for justice, and if people were following Torah, if people were following God's instruction— then justice was being mediated. Justice between people and people and then the justice between God and people. And so that's assumed, guys. It's assumed that when people transgress other people, restitution is to be made. That is, that's actually not what forgiveness is about in these, in these passages. And so I want you to know that if you are in a situation where someone has harmed you, someone has committed a crime, someone has done something that is worthy and, and justice is necessary, when Jesus calls us to forgive, that is something completely separate from pursuing justice, because Jesus also calls us to seek justice. That is, that is a huge, huge tenet of the entire scope of our scriptures. And so justice is there. Justice is something that God is for and that God wants and that ultimately God will serve. We will all be accountable for what we have done and for every word that we have spoken. So forgiveness is not about forsaking justice. Forgiveness is about something else. And so if we can rely on the fact that God is a God of justice— then what, where does that leave us in our position? And what are we to do with the residual feelings and the residual harm that we carry even after justice is served? Or maybe if justice hasn't come yet. I think that's where this idea of forgiveness comes in. And I think that's where this idea of making space and boundaries becomes really important in differentiation. And so let's, let's think about the lyrics that Kesha sings, um, in order to maybe get a better handle on this. In the first verse, she says, well, you almost had me fooled, told me that I was nothing without you, but after everything you've done, I can thank you for how strong I have become because you brought the flames and you put me through hell. I had to learn how to fight for myself. And we both know all the truth I could tell. I'll just say this is, I wish you farewell. And do you hear that differentiation language? Here she's you know talking to the person who was abusive, who used his power to create a story that she was living in where she was dependent on him, where her ability to succeed and do well was tied up in what he could do for her, that she was nothing without him. And now as she's worked through this process, Of forgiveness, she's recognizing you and I are two different people, and I can stand on my own two feet, and I have something in me that is stronger than what you have done to me, and I'm gonna send you away. I'm gonna send this away. I'm not gonna hold on to this. I am not you, you are not me. We are separate and i am okay without you i don't need to hold on to you and i don't need to hold on to this idea of you and then she goes into the chorus i hope you're somewhere praying i hope your soul's changing i hope you find your peace falling on your knees praying i hope you i hope you're growing i'm not going to be in relationship with you <laughs> i'm not going to think about you i know that i know now that i do not need you And so I'm going to make some space between us. I'm not going to carry you around in my heart and in my mind. And I genuinely hope that you can change. And I hope that you want that too. She goes on to say, I'm proud of who I am. No more monsters. I can breathe again. And you said that I was done. Well, you were wrong. And now the best is yet to come. Because I can make it on my own. And I don't need you. I found a strength I've never known. I'll bring thunder, I'll bring rain. When I'm finished, they won't even know your name. I I think this verse is so powerful because what Kesha is tapping into is what unforgiveness does to us. When we carry around unforgiveness, when we aren't willing to make space, when we aren't willing to, to allow and accept the fact that this is where this person is and this is how they're behaving right now, and I don't have the power to do anything about that and I cannot impose my will on this person and make them be different. I can't make them change. I can't make them ask me for forgiveness. I can't make them do that and I'm letting go of my desire to do that. What we find is that we have this room to breathe and that in in that space and in that time where we were holding on to that desire to impose our will and and be connected to that person in a way that we th- we thought might help us to feel more whole. What was true was that person was the center of our story. They they became the center of our gravity. It's the center of our thoughts. And she ends this verse by saying, When I'm finished, they won't even know your name. I'm just I'm just sending you away. <laughs> I'm going to become who I am. I'm going to continue to grow and be proud of myself. I'm I'm not letting you be the main character in my story anymore. And honestly, by the time I'm done, you're not even going to be a significant part of my story. And I hope you're somewhere praying. I hope you're changing. I hope you find your peace. Kesha was able to go through the deep, deep pain of surviving this abuse and to come out uh, on the other side saying, ah, yeah, I'm not going to be in your life. You're not going to be in my life, and I'm not going to carry around this desire to make you change, but I sincerely hope that you do. I sincerely hope you do. She said, sometimes I pray for you at night, but someday maybe you'll see the light. And some say in life, you're going to get what you give, but some things only God can forgive. I think this recognition right near the end of the song is so powerful that kind of the, the way of the world, the way the world operates is that we respond in kind. So when someone harms you, that gives you the right to harm them back. And and sometimes people can harm us in such a deep way that we don't even have access to that kind of retribution. So where does that even leave us? Not even not to mention even that the way of Jesus teaches us to not to respond in kind, but to respond with blessing and forgiveness. The word of the day. But here Kesha is saying, some say you're going to get what you give, and unforgiveness is the idea of holding on to that desire and hope that people are going to get what's coming to them. And that maybe we're going to be a part of that in some way. But for her, she's, she's releasing that. She's saying there's some things that only God can forgive. There are some things that only God can deal with. And I'm, I'm leaving that to God. I'm going to send that to God in a way, maybe choosing forgiveness is exchanging that very understandable desire that we have when someone harms us, that desire that they would get what they deserve, that desire that they would get what's coming to them, that they would be punished. Maybe forgiveness is a way of exchanging that desire for a different desire, which is a desire that that person who is clearly deeply wounded and deeply troubled to be doing such harm or even a little bit of harm, whatever the scope of the, of the sin or the damage done might be that we would exchange our desire for them to get their comeuppance for our desire for them to actually heal and mature and change. How does that feel? You know, if you're thinking about forgiving a family member for a grievance or an annoyance or a frustration that might be a little bit closer to access, if you're, if you are contending with a much deeper wound, this might still feel a little out of reach and that's okay. That's okay. I just want to offer this other perspective and maybe if you would just Go with me for a few more minutes. I'd love to meditate on a passage, considering this different understanding of forgiveness, this understanding of forgiveness as being people who make space for the frailty and the shortcomings of others, so that we too can receive and experience space for our own shortcomings and frailties. Let's just do a walk through some passages in the Bible that are interacting with this idea to wrap up for today. I want to start in Exodus chapter 34, verse 7, where Yahweh is describing God's self as one who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. So Yahweh, a God who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who makes space for transgression, iniquity, and sin, and yet does not leave the guilty unpunished. Hmm. Interesting. Let's jump into the New Testament and look at Mark chapter 11.25. Jesus says, Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. So, so when, you're stand, when you stand praying, make space in your heart for those people that you have something against. Make room for their immaturity. Make, permit them to be where they are so that your Father in heaven will also make space for your immaturity so that you too can grow. How about Ephesians four thirty two, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God and Christ also has forgiven you. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, making space for each other, just as God and Christ has made space for you. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Do you guys see maybe how this just pivot, this slight pivot, has the potential to open up a different kind of space in our hearts for one another. This is not, none of these passages are saying if someone harms you, don't do anything about it. Don't hold them accountable. What it's saying is, look, we're all trying here. Bear, let's bear with each other. Let's hold space for each other. Let's, let's kind of come to one another knowing that we're not going to get it right all the time. When people harm you, seek justice. And then in the day-to-day life, when we're bumping up against each other and we harm each other and we make mistakes and we commit sins and transgressions, which we're all going to do, can we have this position toward ourselves and toward one another that there's room, that we're allowed to be where we're at so that we can have the opportunity to grow Have you noticed that the people in your life that make room for other people to be imperfect are the people that tend to be the most safe to be around? They're the people that invite opportunity to be to become more mature. But the people in your life who are the most severe and exacting, the people who are looking to find fault, the people who are so sure about the motives of others and why people do what they do those people are the most difficult to it, to grow with those people don't feel safe those people don't feel like a place where you can be honest about where you're at and and who you really are and where you're messing up when it comes to forgiveness we have a choice we have a choice to be the kind of person who becomes a safe place for people to show up as they really are so that they can actually have the opportunity to grow. That's a disposition that we can take toward the people with which we are in community. With forgiveness, we have a choice of how we will carry those who have harmed us in our hearts, whether we will hold them in our hearts with that severity and that desire to see them pay or whether when they cross our minds and our hearts and we feel that residual pain, whether we will release them, send that right back to God, and genuinely desire that they can change. Not that we have to be involved with that. Not that it's our responsibility to make them change, but that it's also not our responsibility to hold on to them. With forgiveness, we have a choice to think about ourselves and our relationship to God, either as a safe space where God is making room for us so that we can grow, so that we can make mistakes and learn from them and change and keep maturing and keep becoming more and more like Him. Or we can we can choose to think of God as this severe, exacting, Zeus with a thunderbolt in the sky that's just ready to jump on us and punish us for every single misstep. See, the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we think about others, the way that we think about God, they're all connected. So here's my hope for you. Whether you're someone who has been wrestling with forgiveness, whether you're someone who's been needing forgiveness, whether you're someone who has been needing forgiveness whether you are someone who is. Didn't even know what what it was. (laughs) I hope you're somewhere praying and that your soul is changing. I hope that you find safe relationships where you're given permission to be exactly who you are. I hope you know and that you feel that God is making room for you. That if you're someone who is having a hard time finding that place of forgiveness in your heart, that God's making room for you. And that ultimately, we all have an opportunity to change, to repent, to be freed from that power of sin that's bringing so much harm into our lives and to those around us. Man, I don't know if this made any sense at all, but I hope it helps. And I would love to hear from you. So if you could reach out to me, you can email me, erica at holydistrict.org. That's E-R-I-C-K-A at holydistrict.org. You can find us on social media at Rediscover Sacred. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Would really love to chat more. Honestly, y'all, if you have something you want to share, a disagreement, something that this episode sparked for you, we can revisit this. If you'd like to work on this more, I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface but I'm so grateful that you're listening today and I'm really, really excited that you're participating in the Holy District community in whatever way that you are. We've got one, maybe two songs left in the series. We'll be talking next week about an oldie, but for me, a goodie by Alanis Morissette called That I Would Be Good. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll talk to you then. The Holy District is a network of people who are dedicating their lives to grassroots, Jesus-centered community building. We're trying to rediscover the sacred and the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play. And we're so grateful that you are along on the journey. Talk to you next week.